What's up? Good morning. Welcome to the Seven Figures Club podcast. On today's episode, boys and girls, we've got some phenomenal, phenomenal things for you. We're going to talk about why the world is so, so good at making love to problems instead of solutions, how 99% of your efforts and my efforts should be going towards solving problems, not making love to them, and how planet protection as David Attenborough was able to make love to a problem, but also the solution. So let's go. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. So it's been an interesting uh, last week. I, I think I probably had COVID in early March of 2020 this year. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It was kind of before all the testing and everything. And the uh, where, where I went in was sure, oh, it, it must be influenza B. It was probably probably COVID, but uh, it was a terrible uh, recovery. I mean, it really it was, it was just a weakness. It took about uh, one week of being really weak. Usually when I'm sick, I'm still able to work out and function pretty well, but was not able to do that uh, during that uh, week. And the second week... I was able to kind of get back into the swing of things, but really was still weak and fatigued, exhausted, and really was kind of a full two weeks. And so last week, I came down with a fever, and it was gone in about 24 hours, but then I still had these lingering effects of whatever it is that I've had. and was still able to work. I stayed home a couple days and worked, make sure I didn't get anyone in the office sick, but it's been kind of a weird, slow recovery and am finally starting to feel a, a lot better, but maybe 50% as bad as, as what I had in March. Maybe it was COVID, maybe it was influenza, be whatever it was. So uh, that's what I've been uh, going through. But again, always uh, trying to focus on where the solutions, taking all the right uh, medicines and supplements and the vitamin Ds and trying to get whatever exercise I, I can in, even though I've been exhausted and fatigued. And today with uh, today's topic, this is a fascinating topic and one that everybody really needs to listen to because I'm so damn tired of turning on the news day after day and all I hear about is one problem after another. And very, very, very rarely are there solutions presented by our news and media. It's just, oh, problem, problem, make love to the problem, make love to the problem, oh, problem, problem. And that's literally what we all see and deal with all day long and it's incredibly negative it's incredibly ineffective it's very unproductive it's absolute poppycock or if you prefer the term bullshit it's bullshit because there are no solutions being presented and you see this oftentimes from our government our government is so good at making love to problems but really shitty at actually finding solutions and it's one of the most frustrating things that we all deal with. And most of us just get used to it. And then what's worse, it becomes this medicine, basically this cancer that metastasizes through society where we just all want to make love to our damn problems and nobody is creating solutions. And that, my friends, is why entrepreneurs are our only hope because they 
focus on providing solutions. They take ownership of a problem and then fix it and continuously iterate to provide better solutions and better products and services to solve these problems. And it's something that really needs to be taught in school. It's something that needs to be taught at home to our children. And it's a vital, vital concept that people continue to miss. And they do this all the time. So, for example, in the last few months, we've had an economic slowdown. We've had a pandemic. And I turn on the news last night, or rather my wife does because I'm not a fan of the news. And our local news channel is telling us, oh, my, there's been this many cases of COVID. There was only three deaths in Utah. So... Very low on the death uh, percentage. Oh, the cases are going up. Cases are going up. Problem, problem, problem. And no solutions. No solutions. Just problems. Problems, problems. And the only solution they've been able to really come up with is wear a mask. And, uh, well, that's at least something that can be done. Unfortunately, recent studies are showing that 70 80% of those who actually get COVID were wearing a mask all the time. So I guess that's not really a big solution, is it? But what seems to be the real solution are the different medications and the different supplements and the different ways you can take care of yourself physically, like eating right and exercise and having the right supplements, the right vitamin D and getting your B12 in every day. These are things that actually make a difference and actually prevent you from getting ill or if you do get ill it's not a terribly long and painful recovery because you're taking the right things those are solutions that i'm not seeing very many people focus on and they love to focus on oh a, a vaccine but vaccines we all know take a lot of time so just another example of how poor our planet our media our governments all are at finding solutions and what they ought to be doing and this is what what is the biggest, I mean, it's just not rocket science, people. Instead of focusing 99% of our efforts and focus on those solutions, instead, it's probably the other way around. 99% of the focus goes to the problem, 1% to the solution. And how surprising is it that these problems continue to permeate and perpetuate through society? Now, over the weekend, I watched uh, an amazing documentary on Netflix. It's The Life of David Attenborough, and I know you've seen his amazing uh, nature and and uh, Blue Planet videos that uh, he makes. He is English, and the BBC seems to make these amazing high-definition uh, videos of nature. So it could be could be the ocean in the the blue planet uh, series that they have it could be in some rainforests in asia in the amazon could be uh the rocky mountains could be the north pole antarctica and so they have all these fascinating high definition videos where we all get, have gotten to know nature and it's uh amazing and very intriguing and fascinating look at all of these different animals, animals we didn't even know existed 20, 30, 40 years ago. And David Attenborough has been at the forefront of this. And if you love our planet and nature, which I don't care what your political affiliations are, we all do. And, and maybe, maybe we love to hunt and explore and hike. 
And to me, that, that's some of the, the most fascinating uh, times in life where I'm, you know, hiking up uh, Diamond Head uh, in Hawaii or I'm scuba diving uh, in Cozumel on the Mexican-Caribbean uh, uh, Maya coast there. Beautiful, beautiful area. And uh, I love all these amazing areas in, in our world. And, and travel for me is something that is a, a massive passion but going back to David Attenborough, so David Attenborough has had this extraordinary life. He's 93 years old, and he's still sharp as a tack, very, very intelligent, and very focused on solutions for the planet. And, and in this documentary that uh, he's got on Netflix, he kind of starts at the beginning, where in the 60s he was traveling around the world and producing these videos and these shows about nature and fascinating animals and things on the planet and things that people really had no idea about in terms of different species and how they're able to adapt and evolve and just a fascinating look at nature in general. And as it goes through his, his life biologically, chronologically, it begins to show that, okay, when he first started the uh, percentage of, uh, of carbon in the air was at like 250 or 60 parts per million or something like that. And it shows how that carbon uh, footprint increases substantially to almost double where it's at today. And then the other thing it shows is the percentage of the wilderness that was, a, that was uh, you know, untouched and unharmed back then was at 65%. And now it shows in 2020, it's at 35%. So very statistic-driven, factual. It's not really something we can argue with. Also uh, takes a look at uh, the number of trees worldwide and, and how many of these uh, trees have been uh, cut down. And obviously that has an effect on uh, the oxygen that we all need uh, to breathe and survive. And, and not only the oxygen, but also the uh, basically the... The, the air, the, the air that uh, is up in our atmosphere that uh, kind of protects us all from UV rays, all of these things are, are being impacted. And it's, it's not rocket science. Of course it is. Of course it is. Of course, with all of the different uh, cars and fossil fuel burning factories and things that we have across the planet, like these are things that are indisputable. And, and what he talked about was over his lifetime, the world had warmed a full Celsius degree, which obviously is, is not positive because the impact has been that the coral reefs and the ocean are beginning to show signs and issues. And he finally explained uh, the glacier things. I, I did, never really understood. Of course, glaciers are going to melt here and there as, as temperatures uh, change. But the thing that he explained was that the, when the sun can't shine off of those uh, white, shiny glaciers on the North and South Pole, then that causes the planet to heat up even more. And then obviously that uh, hurts our wildlife. And if our wildlife's hurt, then that hurts our everything. It hurts uh, the, the Earth's ability to produce uh, the plants and the food that we need and the, uh, the animals and the wildlife that we do consume as a planet. And so... So he actually goes into some fascinating depth, and of course he does make love to the problem. I mean, he just 
He just does, and maybe he really needs to to show us how bad things can get, and then he begins to prognosticate, okay, here's where we were in 1930, 50, 70, 90, 2020. Well, based off that trend and trajectory that we're on, here's where we're headed in, in 20, uh, 2030, 2040, 2080, 2100, and beyond, and paints a very, very you know concerning picture where it will be a planet that uh, that overheats. It will be a planet that's difficult to grow food on. Nature and all of the, uh, many of the animals and, and uh, the meat that we need to consume will also, you know, take a, a nosedive. And obviously this will be negative and lead to billions of people passing away because of our inability to focus on the solutions to this problem. And then in kind of the second half of his documentary, he actually, for the first time ever that I've seen of somebody who's, a, you know, an environmentalist or, you know, all about uh, protecting nature, finally breaks down solutions. And he presents a number of solutions that are going to be able to help. And he gives... He gives examples of, for example, Costa Rica, which had cut down more than two-thirds of its uh, tree supply, and they took massive action to kind of stop that, and everybody started planting trees, as, and they started giving out grants for people to plant trees. And fast forward, and now they're back to only a third down of their tree supply within 15 years, and so shows that there are solutions and that you can refill the all of the different uh, rainforests and trees and and replace and and re-energize all the wildlife that had been negatively affected so he starts to show a solution there he shows another one of an island in the pacific where they had uh, overfished and because of the overfishing they took there was there was massive issues there and they started to protect certain areas around the island and only build a fish in others and all of a sudden now they've got a massive abundance of fish life and they're able to fish and their businesses are all in good shape but it took an initial sacrifice so he starts going through all these different solutions that can be uh, obtained and built out by all of us. Obviously, he talks about uh, sustainable energy. That's why you know we've got uh, solar on our house, and and electric uh, car prices are starting to come down and become much more affordable. Elon Musk keeps on cutting the price, and it's awesome when you can have an electric car and come home and go in your garage and and plug in your electric car and know that it's being powered by solar panels on your house. And those are changes that are all going to have to be implemented more and more and more often to put our planet in a better position. And, you know, obviously uh, on the political spectrum, I'm for capitalism. I'm for supporting business and entrepreneurship and less government. And yet on the other side of things, when it comes to talking about uh, our planet and what needs to be done to, to put our planet in the best posi- position to to have nature supported in these beautiful areas and coral reefs. And, and I see it all the time uh, over the last uh, you know, 18, 19 years. Well, it's, I guess it's been closer to 14, 15 years. My family, we're all about uh, wakeboarding and, and boating, and we'll watch what happens. And there's been times that our lake has been bone dry, and we haven't even been able to go out and go boating because of these real things that we're seeing with climate change and a warming planet. And so, 
So these things, we're all seeing them. There's no point in fighting them. We need to focus on the solutions. And it's the same thing in your business. Are you spending all your time just focusing on the problems? Or are you spending 99% of your time focused on solutions? Are you teaching your team to focus on the solutions? Are you testing? And that doesn't mean every potential solution that you try is going to work. You're going to have to test out many solutions that may not be the ultimate uh, resolution and solution that you need. But you have to be testing those. You have to be creating those potential solutions and testing and testing until you find the right solution. And you should always be pivoting and always be improving. And that's one of our values here is to be perpetually improving. And again, it comes down to focusing on those solutions, creating multiple potential solutions, implementing those, and then pivoting and going with the solution that ultimately is working the best and you're constantly focusing on improvement and that my friends is what it takes to make yourself better if it's sales that you're trying to become better at you're constantly reading the right sales books and implementing those strategies and again i come back to the fact that we're all really good at finding these problems and making love to them not very good at uh, the actual solutions and, and creating those solutions. And I go back to reading, right? The average CEO in this country reads 65 books a year. I'm always listening or reading a book and learning so much. And I find, I find if I'm not, I'll go in reverse and I'll get the wrong mindset and I won't focus on solutions. And so you have to be doing that. And as you look at the majority of the population that reads one or two books a year that aren't even uh, books to improve themselves, just books for entertainment, well, it becomes very clear, well, of course, you're not going to be good at finding solutions. All you do is is not read about books where all the solutions are found. And that's what's amazing. Like in our life today, every problem that we deal with in some way, shape, or form, someone before us has already dealt with it and probably wrote a book about it. And so that's something Will Smith, uh, the actor, talks a lot about is there's a solution for almost every problem and there's been a book written about it. And you reach out for that book and you find that solution. Something that uh, Will Smith uh, had was a massive fear of water. And if you watched the uh, Shark Week uh, with Discovery Channel this year, he decided he was going to take on this massive fear that had been holding him back. He had uh, had this uh, memory of when he was a kid drowning in the ocean, and his mom told him, son, that never actually happened. And so all this fear, and he had focused on this massive problem of fear of water for years, and he finally decided, I'm done with it. I'm going to focus on all the solutions. I'm going to take this problem on. And eventually, he ends up down in the, the Bahamas in the ocean, and he's got a bull and tiger sharks coming around him, and he's petting them. And he just tackles this uh, fear of water and fear of sharks and is able to focus 100% on finding solutions. And then he brings his kids into it and he wants to share how he's overcoming this massive fear. And that, my friends, is a great example of taking on a problem and focusing 99% of your efforts on a solution. And when you do, the results are breathtaking. So today, this week, 99% effort goes to solutions, 1% problems. You have to identify them. You have to you know, acknowledge them. And then all the efforts go towards creating those solutions and testing them until you find the ultimate solution. So that, my friends, is today's podcast. Take action, make it happen, and 99% of your efforts should go towards solving problems. 
Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.